thinking like because this Thanksgiving is not like any Thanksgiving any of us has ever had, I say if you want to eat like, you know, a prime rib or something, you go. This is your year. You know, forget the bird because this whole year is a turkey as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, you know, do, some, do something different, you know. Great idea. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I feel like this is the year to just break out. And I always threatened to do that when my kids were little, but they were like, no, nah, we need to have a tradition. I'm like, this is the year, man. We're breaking out. Hi, and welcome to The Big Schmear, the podcast celebrating Jewish food, culture, and history. I'm your host, Beth Schenker. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays, and I've promised myself I would not let virus fatigue get in the way. I know for many, Thanksgiving will be difficult to reimagine. And because of that, I also know there will be a lot of cooks new to the whole Thanksgiving prep. Maybe doing that first turkey, green bean casserole, pumpkin pie on their own. And so with that in mind, I thought it might be helpful to talk about how to handle all that food safely. At the same time, I've been really missing my friend, Chef Laura Frankel, and I thought it'd be fun to talk with her about best practices with sharp tools, food storage, meal prep, proper refrigeration, and everything in between. Here's a little about Chef Laura. She wears many hats, including chef of kosher food, cookbook writer, presenter of cooking shows on Facebook Live, catering for private events, and making amazing Shabbat dinners at her home in Chicago with her husband, Mike, who really knows his way around challah making. Let me welcome Laura to our podcast so we can learn some good kitchen cooking habits. Hi, Laura. Welcome back to The Big Schmear. Hi, Beth. I missed you. I miss you, too. Uh, it's nice to just at least be able to uh, connect via whatever, technology, right? Yeah. Some, in some manner. I get to hear your voice. Yay. Yeah, I agree. So how are you? And I know you have this incredible setup in your backyard, which you still haven't sent me any pictures. Oh, and, I'm sorry. And that's okay. <laughs> and I think that there's a lot of people doing similar things when they can. So can you tell us what your setup's like? And I guess we can, we'll all be able to guess the purpose of it, but can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, so we have, we tented most of our backyard, and we have this enormous tent back there, and it actually was, like, a, adjacent to our sukkah for a while there, which um, now is operating as, like, a, I guess, another room. <laughs> so it's all, it's all covered, but the tent is back there, and we can roll up the sides so that it's safe. Um, we have a fire table in there, space heaters, lounge furniture, a little picnic table, and then everyone can spread out. We even put put our fountain back there. We have this beautiful fountain with lights and stuff in the back, and it's in the tent now. And so we have this great setup back there, and it's it's our COVID lounge. It's our, <laughs> our COVID dining room. I don't know what else to call it, but it works. Is it? It's warm enough? There. It's warm enough back? It, well, <laughs> no, I'm a Midwesterner, so uh, it's challenging. So we put my mother back there, you know, we wrap her up in a blanket, kind of <laughs> put her next to the fire table, tell her not to move and, and everything's fine. <laughs> it's great. It's, and it's a way because we're going into winter, you know, with this thing that I feel like let, when it first appeared, we were coming out of winter and it was just a hop, skip and a jump to, to better weather. Now we're going into winter. It could be a long haul. So this is my hope was to extend 
um, the ability to see family and friends in a safe way and not to be completely isolated. So, and I love to cook any excuse to, you know, fire up the, the stove is, is good for me. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope the weather treats you well enough so that you can get to Thanksgiving. That would be amazing. Oh, I think I'm going to for sure get to Thanksgiving and I'm actually hoping Hanukkah and then I have a birthday. So I'm going to, I'm going for it unless there's like a blizzard. I'm out there. <laughs> and even if there is a blizzard, you can imagine out there with a bottle of champagne on my birthday. And you would, yeah, you could just <laughs> stick it in the ground to chill it. Right. It's just, uh, yeah, I know to, no doubt. I'll zoom you for, I'll zoom you from there. So, so you can watch me doing it. <laughs> uh, that sounds great. I'm going to hold you to that. So we're here today to talk about kitchen safety and food prep. And I'm wondering where would you start on this long So there's so much to talk about with this. And I think you were spot on when you were talking about people cooking for the first time, because sometimes people, you know, relied on other family members to do the turkey or to do the spread or people trade off holidays. It's like, oh, I don't do Thanksgiving. You know, they own Passover or something, whatever. But turkeys are are tricky beasts and (laughs) and food safety i think you know it's not one of our sexier topics Beth. no i know but it is definitely necessity and i'm a big safety fan when i when i was wolfgang puck i was the safety champion for the entire country so i'm all up on it i'm you got the right lady here for the for the safety job (laughs) i did not know that i know it was was another hat i just didn't wear it very often (laughs) outside. <laughs> but so I think with safety is people need to understand that food has to be the, the simplest of it is, is, is cleanliness and washing your food. And, you know, remember in the beginning of the, of the virus, everyone's like taking their sanitizing wipes and things and wiping off their groceries. So we don't have to do that, but you do need to wash your produce and you do need to keep it clean. You don't need to rinse off your Turkey people. Don't, don't hold a bird up over the sink and let the juice drip all over the place (laughs) that you don't need to do, but you do need to keep food in the safety zone. And what that means is before cooking starts, the food safety zone is 37 to 43, somewhere in there Fahrenheit. So if you want to thaw your Turkey, you thaw it in the refrigerator. You don't like park it on your counter for three days and you don't put it outside unless it's like freezing cold out you know, between 37 and 43. Hmm. So food has to stay in the safety zone and that's before cooking. And once it's cooked, then you have to bring it back into the food safety zone before you can put it in the refrigerator. And this is like a common problem for, so people will make like a big pot of soup, a wonderful, delicious soup and they'll labor over it and go through all kinds of wonderful ingredients. And then they have this big pot of soup. And for some reason, this always happens at like 11 o'clock at night. And then they're like, well, I'm going to bed. And they have this hot soup and they don't know what to do with it. So either they put this boiling hot pot of soup in the refrigerator, which is a no-no, or they leave it out all night and figure it'll cool off and that they're going to reboil it the next day and that it's fine. So the answer is "Eh," to both of those. (laughs) You have to cool it down to the food safety zone or thereabouts, get it back into that temperature. So the way you would do that, and this applies for mashed potatoes, for turkey gravy, for all those yummy, delicious things that we're going to be looking forward to, your wonderful pots of chili or beef bourguignon, whatever it is, all of that stuff you want to cool off by putting it in an ice bath. So 
this is that moment when you go to the grocery store or when you have delivered to you these days, as we're all doing more of, you put it, you fill up a sink with cold water and lots of ice in there. And then you take your hot pot of boiling soup or your chili or whatever it is, your, even your big pot of mashed potatoes. If you have a big container of that, you put that in into the ice bath in your sink and you kind of gently stir it a little bit. You don't have to agitate it or whatever, but you want to get it cooled down. And the way you do that is by moving it around and it's surrounded on all sides by ice, ice water. So how would you do that for a turkey? You would take the turkey, you would either carve it, you know, break it up into mm-hmm. take the legs off and stuff. Or because imagine you're setting like, you know, 165 degree turkey in the refrigerator. It'll heat up every single thing in the refrigerator to that level and then everything goes bad in the fridge so you want to cool it off every single thing needs to be cooled off to like 60 degrees before it can go into the fridge and then the refrigerator will take it into the safety zone after that so Does that makes sense yeah it makes sense but so I'm, I'm i'm even afraid at what you're going to say when i ask this question let's just say that i have done something similar to those no-nos like Maybe I forgot the chili on the stove and went to bed because, you know, it was still hot. I knew I shouldn't put it in the fridge. And then in the morning, you know, I see, oh, uh, darn it. Yeah. Um, and then I put it in the fridge. And then, you know, like two days later, I eat it. And I, ah. and I don't get sick. Um, and so why am I going through this trouble, Laura, of... So, so lucky you, you didn't get sick, but once the food is, is now cooled off and it's sitting at room temperature, all the bacteria starts breeding and it goes exponentially every hour. And you got about four hours to play with there. So you might've gotten lucky. You put your hot, hot boiling chili or soup or whatever it is. And it's always 11 o'clock at night for whatever reason. We're all done cooking at 11. It's like, Oh God, I got to go to bed. And then it cools off and you got four hours to play with. You might've caught it just in time, barely. But what happens is the bacteria starts to breed and reproduce inside your inside your food exponentially. And you think to yourself, well, I'll just boil it and I'll kill off all the yes. bacteria. Yeah. Well, yes, you will. But as the bacteria die, they release their toxins. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Into the food. And then you eat that. And that's what makes you sick. Ah. So that's the, that's the part that gets you sick. So boiling it is wonderful. It kills the bacteria for sure. But then their toxins are in there still. So it's a no-no, and if you didn't get sick, you got lucky. But I actually looked this up, and the most amount of food poisoning happens in homes, from home cooks, not from restaurants. So there you go. Yeah, and now I'm just really <laughs> grossed out just imagining I know. all that. Yeah. Um, I know. So, but it, but the ice bath method really works, and it feels it feels very safe once you put your food in, and it's like you can put your finger in there comfortably, or you can taste it, and it's like even just a little bit cool. Now the food is safe to put away. Mm. So I love that. It's perfect. Well, that's really helpful. So we're kind of talking about Thanksgiving. So I have another question. So what about stuffing? And it not it might not even be a turkey. It could be a chicken, or it could be fish. And we all know that, you know, I don't remember how many years ago they said, no, you can't put your, don't cook your stuffing in your bird. And so is that still true? Is that true? No. So tell tell us about this. I love love (laughs) stuffing. So, and I think you should definitely stuff your bird, but the problem is you want to have 
ice cold stuffing. Your bird is cold when you put it in the oven. So you want the stuffing to match. It should be cold. Ah. If you put hot stuffing in the cavity of your bird, the bird is cold. The interior of the bird becomes hot. And you've got all this like discrepancy. You've got, you know, three inches of turkey meat on either side of that stuffing, which is now cold and hot stuffing in the center. You're breeding all kinds of stuff there. So, but ice cold, it's fine. It just adds to the cooking time a little bit. So it's fine. And I don't love the idea of stuffing the turkey the night before and then putting it in the fridge because all those turkey juices are then are just sitting there in the stuffing. You got to really cook that bird a long time then to make sure it gets up to temp, which is 165 degrees. So I love stuffing it right before. Make your stuffing the day ahead. Then take mm. your turkey out the morning of Thanksgiving, have a nice cup of coffee. We used to be able to watch the parade. And, <laughs> oh, poo, oh, poo, we're not having a parade anymore. That was like my routine. Yeah. So drink that, drink that pot of coffee. I mean, the whole pot. You're going to need it. And then once the bird has kind of like gotten a little bit of the chill off of it, like for an hour or so, then go ahead, stuff it, rub it all up with herbs, and then put it in the oven. And I'm guessing that would hold true even for a smaller bird, like a capon or a chicken, but maybe also for if you're stuffing fish. Yes, absolutely the same thing for fish. And fish doesn't have any connective tissue, so the flesh is very delicate. If you put hot stuffing on the inside of it, it would just automatically, I mean, you don't even have to put it in the oven at that point. It's cooking it right then and there. So fish are very delicate. You want to handle it very carefully so you don't wreck it. And so one last thing that I'm thinking about in terms of Thanksgiving is I'm sure there are going to be many people who will be cooking for one. They might be eating like on a Zoom call with other family members, but, you know, they might be just cooking their own Thanksgiving dinner. Do you have any, I don't even know what I mean by this, but do you have any suggestions for what might work really well for someone who's cooking for themselves and still wants leftovers? Yeah. So I, you know, and it's funny, I'm I'm really keyed into the whole food movement and to the farmers and stuff. And I heard that there's going to be a shortage of small turkeys. The the 12 pound turkey is, is gone. I mean, they can't make enough of them because usually the whole thing is to fatten them up and get them bigger. Right. So the little turkeys are the first to go. So there's going to be a shortage of the little birds. My best suggestion is to go ahead and either cook the whole bird or to ask a butcher if you are um, so fortunate as to buy your turkey from a, a store or a butcher shop. Um, a lot of uh, grocery stores will do this too. They'll take the legs off of it and then you can just cook the breast and the legs separately. You could do it on separate occasions or on the same day and use two different methods of cooking it. And that way you get a little more use out of your bird. If you roast the whole thing, leftovers kind of get like weird on the on day three. It's like, I have a rule, you know, you get to see it three times and then it's like, all right, done, see ya. <laughs> but if you have different ways of cooking it, like the legs, I like to confit those and I confit it in like a little bit of poultry fat with olive oil and garlic. And then it becomes very tender and delicious and like melts in your mouth. And that I would almost use for a soup. And you just roast the breast like you normally do and go ahead and slice it and, and enjoy it. And then you can freeze half of it for sandwiches for later or for soup or for turkey chili, which is amazing and delicious. And don't forget to use the ice bath method to cool it <laughs> at 11 o'clock at night before you go to bed. But yeah, there's so many ways to get around this. And you could even buy a boneless breast and like cut thin slices of it, pound it out and make turkey schnitzel, which is amazing and fun. 
And I'm thinking like, because this Thanksgiving is not like any Thanksgiving any of us has ever had. I say, if you want to eat like, you know, a prime rib or something, you go, this is your year, you know, forget the bird because this whole year is a turkey as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, you know, do something, do something different, you know, great oh, idea <laughs> yeah i know i i feel like it's this is the year to just break out and i always threatened to do that when my kids were little but they were like no nah, we need to have a tradition i'm like well this is the year man we're breaking out we're gonna have like a fish or something i don't know <laughs> lasagna oh gee we have butter butternut squash lasagna <laughs> that might be pushing it i don't know but then you've got the butternut squash the yeah whatever um, yeah, I know. It's a lot to deal with. So you mentioned in passing freezing. So freezing turkey, that's a that that works well? It does. So you want to, and, and freezing is another place where you need to make sure you get all the air out of it. You want to do it safely, carefully. Don't try and put things that are hot in the freezer because, again, that's a problem. So you want to cool it down to the safety zone, back into that 37 to 43 degrees, and then you want to wrap it airtight and then go ahead and freeze it and freeze it in small portions so that you're not, you know, defrosting the whole thing and then trying to refreeze it again. Um, So interesting, interesting food fact that a lot of people don't know is that if I want to make a turkey breast for dinner and I take it out of the freezer today and I'm going to make it, you know, tomorrow or something. And then suddenly my friends Beth and Steve come back to Chicago where they belong <laughs> and, and we decide, Oh, but, but they don't really want Turkey. They want red snapper. Guess what? I can put that Turkey back into the freezer. Nothing will happen as long as it's been in the safety zone all of that time. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I know. Blow your mind. Right. Yeah. So as long as it's been in the food safety zone. So same thing with like ground beef or, that ribeye steak or the, or the tenderloin or whatever you're making. So you take it out and you start to thaw it and it's in the safety zone. You're not like sitting it on the hood of your car or something ridiculous. It's just safely thawing happily in the fridge. And then your friends, Beth and Steve come over or you're going to have something different and you're like, Oh, but I don't have any reason to have this because I'm going to have pizza tomorrow night or something. You can go ahead and put it back in the freezer and it'll be fine. It will and- be perfectly fine. So you can do that. One time, you got one shot after that, because then it, the texture gets weird. Mm-hmm. But food safety-wise, you're perfectly safe. Does the food have to be cooked? Is that something you already made, put in the freezer? No, it, it could be raw. Oh, it so could I be. So I could take a raw chicken, take it out, put it on my in my refrigerator, and then decide that I want to do something different instead. I want to make halibut for dinner. I could take my raw chicken and put it back in the freezer again. Well, as long as it's always been in the food safety zone, I'm good to do that. I'm safe. Jeez, this so is good information. It's not a com- I know it's not a commitment to make it once once it's thought out. You know, you wouldn't want to do that a couple of times because the texture gets weird because the ice crystals develop on it and stuff and keep thawing and expanding and stuff. Yeah. But but you're okay to do that safety wise. It's not going to make you sick, so you're good. So now I'm going to switch gears totally, and I wanted to talk a little bit about personal safety in the kitchen. And I know you're not a doctor, but you also, I'm sure, have had had your seen your share of kitchen accidents. And so I'm wondering if you have like some quick advice for someone who does a burn, not, you know, just burns themselves on that hot soup that just kind of poured over yeah. onto their hands while they were so, moving it into the safe zone, you know? 
so, you know, my job is playing with fire and knives. And if you play with fire and knives enough times, you're going to get burned and cut. So I have my shares of burns and cuts. And last week I melted a pair of gloves onto my hand. So, oh, no. That's what, I know it really did happen. Somebody put something on the stove and I didn't know the burner was on. They came along, turned the burner off and I picked it up at work. This happened in our catering kitchen. Oh, gee. And I, I know my fingertips were like just terrible. But anyways, so it happens and... You just want to stay calm, stay in control, and you want to ice it right away and then put some burn cream on it. Burn cream is one of those things you should have. When you're getting ready for Thanksgiving, do yourself a favor and have one really good knife, one knife that's sharp. You can go – this is the time to go to the knife sharpener guy, the guy at the farmer's market who will sharpen your knife for you. You don't need a whole big set of knives, just one great knife that works perfectly the sharper the knife, the less force you'll use to push on something when you're cutting and you won't like force the knife through food and, and end up hurting yourself. For burns, I always have like burn cream nearby and I always have a container of salt. If somehow a pan catches fire, you immediately throw salt on it and that puts out the fire. Don't throw water on it because that'll just, you know, spread it around. But don't be afraid of your food and don't be afraid to cook. Have fun. It's supposed to be fun and delicious. It's supposed to nourish the people you're feeding as well as yourself. So, you know, nobody should be afraid. Just be careful um, and have some fun with it. Wow, that sounds like really great advice. And so I have to ask you, are you doing a traditional Thanksgiving? Like, do you already have your menu set because you do it every year? Or do you not even know what you're going to do? You know, I look forward. So, you know, I don't really eat a lot of carbs anymore, but this year, oh, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, and, and I do make a killer stuffing and I do love Turkey and I love the leftovers. So, and my, the craziest thing is the best part of the, of the meal for me is the cranberries. Cause I make the fresh cranberries. Mm. I just, I could get in trouble with like a whole big bowl of cranberries, but so I'm going to do the traditional th- Thanksgiving and the next day is Shabbat and I'll do something fun and different that day, but absolutely it's still Thanksgiving and on, and no pesky virus is going to stop me from having my holiday. Yes. Go, go Laura. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. On that. <laughs> I might have to call you for more encouragement, but I'm going there. Yeah. You know, my favorite, my, my dream job was to be on the butterball hotline. I want to be there <laughs> like landing the plane. <laughs> I want to do that. That's my, my fantasy job. I've done so many things in the food industry, but I, I wonder if they would take me because I would just get so involved in it. You know, I want to land the plane. So anybody out there wants to have my phone number best, just give it to them. <laughs> well, you know, that's funny. Cause I was going to ask you if somebody <laughs> wants to get a hold of you and I didn't know about the butterball thing, at all. But if they want to find out more about you or your cookbooks or turkey safety, how do they reach you? They can email me at cheflaura2 gmail. They can find me on Facebook and I respond very quickly. I love landing the plane over the phone (laughs) um, or online. And I've managed online communities when I worked for a media company. So absolutely. I love it. And I love kitchen conundrums and helping people to put a great meal on the table. And you you should enjoy this. Come on, it's it, it 
there's enough misery out there. Let's try and enjoy ourselves, folks. So yeah. get that bird and get that stuffing going. We all deserve a, a good Thanksgiving, don't we? We really do. Yeah. We really, really do. And and this is and as as a an American Jew, for me, this is my favorite holiday because we can get in the car right afterwards and go driving around and looking at Christmas decorations. Yeah, it's kind of and fun. No and and it is. no effort. And right. And it's the <laughs> holiday that doesn't tell you what to eat or where to eat it. It just lets you eat. So you're on equal <laughs> footing with everyone with everyone else celebrating a holiday at exactly the same time that everyone else is. So it is absolutely the most American of all holidays and I just adore it. So before I thank you, could you please say your email address once more? And is that number written out or is it the numeral? It's Chef Laura, the numeral two at Gmail. Perfect. All right. Well, I've never made it a secret. I just love talking to you about anything that has to do with food. And so I'm so happy you were able to be my guest today. It's been my a pleasure. I'm on the frequent fun. buyer program. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. And and speaking of that, um, I, I want everyone to look forward to another episode coming soon with Chef Laura. When we talk about that new favorite spice, everything mm. bagel. And and uh, you'll have a recipe, right? You'll have a recipe for us. I'm guessing. Absolutely. I will write one just for you. All right. My trusted advisor and recording and mix engineer is Steve Robinson. The Big Schmear theme music is performed by Cavatina Duo from their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. If you like The Big Schmear, please don't forget to subscribe to my podcast, follow my Instagram account at Beth the Jewish Foodie, or share a like on my Facebook group page. Please tell your friends to listen. It's the best way for my podcast to continue to grow. If you have comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at beth at thebigschmear.com. I'm Beth Schenker, the host of The Big Schmear. Thank you for listening and happy eating. Mm-hmm.